I fucking had enough. <laughs> Just fucking had enough. That's it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Falling Down. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Falling Down, we're a tale of urban reality. Mm. Mm, no, didn't wait to see. <laughs> More not. like we're a tale of bourbon reality. Bourbon? Bourbon? We do drink a lot. Bourbon. Oh, bourbon. Sorry, I went for Oh, I totally thought it was a biscuit for me. I was like, I'm having bourbon reality. No, um... Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, if you've never heard the show before, then let us take your mind off any insufferable traffic jam you may be in. Uh, t- to be honest, I think that this entire film could have been avoided if Michael Douglas's character had a really good podcast to listen to. Maybe even films on trial. Like ours. Just like ours. <laughs> if Michael Douglas would have been listening to films on trial and falling down, a lot of lives would have been saved. Is that, is that what you think we're doing with this podcast? <laughs> yes. We're calming down. <laughs> Commuters. All the last the thing we're doing, we are adding to their stress. <laughs> yeah, almost certainly. Yeah. Okay, well, essentially, what we do is we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, including a caption contest, a quiz, some questionable impressions, some subpar xylophone playing, some silly sound effects, and a whole lot of banter. So, as I said before, this week's film on trial is Falling Down. Plane crashing. Is that what? No, that's something falling down. I mean, is it not a firework? No, no, no. It's it's essentially a, a missile falling down, but it's there, still falling down. There is a rocket launcher <laughs> in falling down. Yeah, exactly. There we go. I don't think missiles fall down. I think they're shot at the ground. No. Okay. Well, it sounds like a, it's a bomb getting dropped. It says oh, okay. it's a bomb. It's a bomb drop. That's what it's called. Okay. okay. I take it back. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> falls down just as much as Michael Douglas does in the film Falling Down. By the way, you'd think Michael Douglas would be falling down a lot. In the film, entitled Falling Down. But he just falls down once, slightly at the end. Anyway, sorry. What I meant to say is this episode's going to be very spoilerific. Should have said that before I mentioned the ending. But anyway, if you haven't seen the film yet. Is, is that the end of the. Just yeah, he, tri- he trips and falls. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He just does a little stumble. Yeah. <laughs> Recovers quickly, though. Yeah, he's, he's carrying like a plate full of pies as well. <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway, if you haven't seen the film yet, it's been out since about 1994. So what are you waiting for? Anyway, you can either listen to this episode after you've watched it or just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by the lovely Austin, which we will highlight in the comments section below. Now, before we go on, uh, our last uh, film on trial was Big Trouble in Little China. It's still got a really gruesome mm, ending yeah, to it, hasn't is, it? That is gory. Well, if it make you feel any better, think of it as a ninja star being thrown into a giant tomato. Play it again. Play again with the tomato. Oh yeah, that's not so bad now. It's <laughs> <laughs> refreshing. That mental yeah. image is there. It's springtime, isn't it? It's like getting my salad ready. Summer yeah. harvest. <laughs> so uh, Mike, our good friend, he judged that film and he decided that it should be placed on the hit list, quite rightly so. Uh, now, Mike has gone away and watched the film and I didn't have a very good correspondence with him asking him whether he made the right call or not. He gave me a very brief yes on the right list. And not really uh, up to the usual eloquent standards as, we, as we've come to uh, know Mike for. But, Did he not fancy coming today either? Um, well, I, I forgot to remind him. Today. <laughs> and you, you know what he's like? He needs reminding at least seven times a day. 
Uh, to be honest, he probably would have come, but he's probably too busy eating one of his 16 lunches that he has every day. <laughs> or working for the NHS. Yeah. Or, or saving lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you one s- or the other. You say yeah. tomato, I say tomato. I, I say yeah. I I star into it. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we go on to the bulk of the show, I think it's time for a little bit of news. Was that no that was, perfect? Except no, for that last little bit. Last oh. little, I fucked it up a little bit, sorry. But that was quite spontaneous, to be honest, because like all week I've been thinking about great songs with the word fall that we could get in, like Free Fallen, um, I Get Knocked Down by Chumbawamba. <laughs> uh, a great song. That, Why didn't yeah, you do that? that one good, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I think Falling Down would have been such a better film if I Get Knocked Down. Was <laughs> 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 I mean, we could have all At got behind the defense. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, so what we do is we all go around in a circle and we'll talk about the week's most newsworthy topics. So starting with Oscar Isaac has thrown his eye patch into the yes. ring to play Solid Snake in the anticipated movie of the adaptation of the Metal Gear Solid games. Oh, Alex, okay. you are a big fan of the games, are you not? Or maybe you're not. Uh, I, I liked the first one which came out, I think, like when we were ten, like 20 years ago. That was really good, and there's like one... Did you just give away our age on the podcast? You yeah, ruined the sorry, mistake. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> if you didn't know, we're in our 30s doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't have guessed, but yeah. <laughs> it could have been worse. You could have given Joel's address away while he's on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. One, two, three. <laughs> okay, so, so, so what do you think? What, what do you think about the game? Um, so, so some of the games are really good, especially the early ones had some really good stories to it, and there are a couple of good characters. There's also a lot of odd things in the game, as well Hideo Kojima is the guy who like designed all of them and, and he's an interesting guy he's obviously had some some good ideas but sometimes some of his games can actually feel like long cut there's such long cut scenes and I'm not joking I once timed a cut scene and it was over half an hour in a game you know wow. it was it was ridiculous but is that because I mean when Metal Gear was getting better it's because it was games were becoming the new movies weren't they so essentially yes. But was just like, if it's a game, you should be interacting, whereas that was just watching a bad movie, you know, because it wasn't a good <laughs> cutscene. It was just a very long, it was huge amounts of dialogue, like quite boring. So hopefully they won't bring that over to the movie. Um, I think if they do it, 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 it should be okay, but they just need to watch out. They leave some of the sillier mm, story yeah. out which, of it. Which story do you think? They, does anyone know what story they're going to go with? Don't know. Hopefully just a simple spy, stealthy, so a li- there's a little do, bit. Like, number one. That was quite yeah, a good game, that was good. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully. So, so what do you think about Oscar Isaac in the role? Um, yeah, I think it'd be good, to be honest. I can't think of anyone particularly better. I it's not like a huge, big role for me. Do you know what I mean? The guy yeah. who plays Solid Snake. So Oscar Isaac, he does action. He does that quite well. I think he'd pull it off. He's also going to have like a bandana on over his face for most of it anyway. True. So, true. Could so it could be anyone. anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it, could, it could be Kiefer Sutherland again. Why not? <laughs> I mean, I think there's a, a lot of good reasons why not. To be <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's better at Solid Snake than he was at... Han Solo, wouldn't he? Who? Keith Sutherland. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't Oscar Isaac? Yeah, Oscar, yeah, he played uh, um, Dameron Poe, didn't he? Or Poe Dameron, sorry. Oh, in, uh, yeah, oh no. I just totally uh, thought he was the guy that we... I, I thought he was the one asking for some more in, uh, in Han Solo. I, I, I thought he was going to say, say all of them. 
Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. No, you, it's you, not you him. think of no. a different guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, right, so moving on. <laughs> I mean, just like, just like, to find my role on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kit Kelso Pratos, he's getting two films completely mixed up. Um, okay, so the this, so second bit of news that we wanted to talk about was that uh, ke- both Kevin Feige, who is, uh, or Feige, sorry, the... How do um, you say that? Feig, Feig, Feig. Kevin Feig, oh, Feig. Oh. I, say, I say fag, but fag. I, I've been wrong before. Is you say fag, I say fag, <laughs> let's call the whole thing off. So anyway, that lad, head honcho of Marvel, uh, has been in correspondence recently with the one, the only Wesley Snipes, and they've both been talking about rebooting the Blade franchise. Uh, now they spoke about maybe making this an R-rated version of Blade in the MCU, and Wesley Snipes has been tweeting recently to say that he has been in negotiations. Whether or not he actually plays Blade or not is still up for debate. What do you guys think? Dave, do you think that Blade in the MCU is, is a good idea? Yeah, I'd be well up for Blade coming back. I, I loved the first two films, not yeah. the first three. I love the first two Please films. Please specify. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think it's a, it's a great character. It's a, it'd be a great addition to MCU or as a standalone sort of universe thing. All for it coming back, I'm not sure about Wesley Snipes coming mm. back attached to it. The whole One of the reasons, uh, I won't want to lay it all at his doorstep, but one of the reasons Blade Trinity was so poor was apparently his relations with the director just completely crumbled. The guy was a nightmare to work with. So He was a bit I, of a prima donna, wasn't he? Uh, to say the least, I think, if I remember rightly, they had to recreate certain scenes using a double because he walked off set. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so that's why in certain scenes you just see Blade from the back. Because <laughs> they've had to use a double. Because wow. yeah, so I, I maybe he's grown up since then. I don't know, but it, I'm he's not been, saying he, he should necessarily be allowed near has it, the Blade uh, franchise again. Has, has he done much since Blade? Uh, he's uh, been in prison. He went to prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What what was that for? Tax evasion. So, so I think that like, uh, Wesley Snipes did have a lot of problems in the past, but I know that uh, everyone <laughs> just it, a tax problem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he, needs a, he, needs a, he needs a good account, <laughs> needs a Dave. account. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know I know that everybody uh, and Marvel specifically likes um, somebody who has uh, I don't know gone through a resurgence uh, and uh, you know it would be interesting I what, what, what totally thought you were going to say you've got like skeletons in their closet <laughs> <laughs> you've got to be worried about from several years ago yeah, they're hiring Tom <laughs> Sizemore for spawn <laughs> <laughs> So, Alex? Uh, I've forgotten. <laughs> okay, so... Um, oh, no, I've remembered. Why would... What would what would Wesley Snipes bring to this? I can see Kevin Feige Feig would bring... You know what I mean? His, his directorial, you know, prowess to it. He's, he knows Marvel Universe inside out. What would Wesley Snipes, apart from acting, bring to... Um, to it well he's what's got, he gonna do he's got knowledge and experience of a character that he played for over what 10 15 years maybe uh well probably actually wasn't that no, much was no, it no, 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 seven no. or eight years so seven or eight years i mean it's not a, it's not hamlet do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> he just kills vampires let's not go say, into it i've heard people say the blade is like <laughs> yeah blade is like the hamlet of the, uh, the, <laughs> of the mcu yeah oh yeah so okay so Obviously, I think Wesley Snipes is mid to late 50s now. So by the time that the film actually comes out, he will be approaching 60. I don't really think... Now, this is no discredit to Wesley Snipes because I like Wesley Snipes and I really like the first two Blade films. But I don't really think a near 60 or 60 plus year old man should be the tempo for an action superhero film going forward. Because, oh. well, I mean, you look at um, sort of Robert Downey Jr. now, but when he got cast as Iron Man... What that was like ten years ago. So say he was in what mid forties, early forties, maybe. Yeah, maybe about that. Yeah. So he was able to, but you're already casting a guy who's going to be close to sixty. If if he's going to be carrying the character for another ten years, he'll be close to seventy. Do we really expect 
Wesley Snipes to be doing some of the very demanding scenes that would be required of him. As, see, as okay, but we we see those demanding scenes all the time. That the like cinema's saturated with those demanding scenes. Maybe it would be kind of interesting to see an older person yeah, in but an you wouldn't, film. you wouldn't expect like I, I don't know like Samuel L. Jackson he's he's somebody of, of an older age who's in um, or like Michael Douglas or somebody you wouldn't be expecting them to be doing the same things that Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans are doing would you? No Dick it would be does. different it would be un- I don't think it would be doable I, don't, I generally don't think because Blade Dick, is a Dick martial artist yeah. 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 Dick Van Dyke does his own stunts he's a great fight choreographer <laughs> <laughs> he did all of the dancing in um Okay, right. So, so say that it isn't going to be Wesley Snipes going forward. Who would you pick instead? Um, a bit of an out there one. I'd probably go with maybe Omari Hardwick. Not a household name, I grant you. He's in the TV series Power. He plays the lead in that, and he is fantastic at it. He's um, he's well adept at fight choreography as well. He's well adept as a, he's an intimidating looking guy. I think you know he could be a good shout for it. I really do. It, it, the studio probably wouldn't back him because he's not well known enough. But personally, I think he'd be a great shout for the role. Oh, good, good shout, uh, Alex. Uh, John David Washington. Okay, yeah. I haven't really seen him in anything but Black Klansman, but I would like to see him in more. So he gets that might sort of boost him. I'd rather he went and did more serious roles, to be honest. But maybe if he did that, you know, yeah. raise up, go into different well, it's things. It's like sort of like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, those sort of names weren't particularly massive household names when they first started within the MCU. But look at them now. Yeah, but what the, the key of that will be: what do they do after it? Will exactly. Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans be able to do anything after they played Thor? Well, I think Chris Hemsworth Captain has America. got his fingers in enough pies. Uh, but I don't know about Chris Evans. Uh, I don't know what he's, he's got lined just, up next. Just been Captain America, isn't he? He just epitomises the role, doesn't he? Yeah, but I, I think I think he's put, appeared in more films as Captain America than Chris Hemsworth oh, has. So maybe yeah. he has a more demanding schedule with regards yeah, yeah. to MCU than maybe other people have had. I do know that he's got a couple of, has he got that red letter one um, lined up, you know, the new Riyadh Johnson film. I think he, he might be we'll appearing see. in that. But yeah, we'll, we'll see now he's officially handed it over. Austin, have you got any picks for Blade? Um, well, I, I don't have a pick personally, but I remember in February when I think we were going to discuss it, then um, people have been talking about uh, Mahashala Ali. People have done oh, some yeah. artwork for him to take over Wesley Snipes' Blade. when um, when it yeah. first got mentioned. But. I mean, that would be a, a, like an impeccable sort of quality actor in that role. I don't, uh, Maybe I don't know whether... Maybe too good be, an actor for Yes, role. that's what yeah, I I'm think. Thinking. I'd oh. rather save him for yeah. better roles. I mean, he's, he's like, got... Not like, Marvel. Let, 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 <laughs> like I have the power as well. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, not Maharshal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. As, as a double Oscar winner, I think maybe he might... Uh, want to be going for other roles that aren't superhero roles that might have to tie him down to you know like an X amount of film or X yeah, amount yeah. of year deal mm, yeah. um, for me personal choice Sterling K. Brown I think that guy is incredible I would watch him sleep he's that kind of thing <laughs> wow honestly wow. it's such, such an odd compliment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no he honestly he's, he just oozes charisma and I think he'd be brilliant I mean I, I don't know what he'd be like with the fight scenes but I, then again I mean I think a lot of the previous MCU actors hadn't been um, in sort of, they hadn't done a lot of fight choreography, they hadn't been in a lot of action films, so there is always space to learn. I've always seen him just sort of doing little bits and bobs, whereas it'd be nice to see him have like his own vehicle almost, wouldn't it? Okay, so moving very, very quickly on, uh, Carrie Fukunaga's Bond film, uh, Shatterhand, terrible title. Very bad. It's also what I do sometimes when the toilet paper's too thin. Um, <laughs> Remember the line that we talked about the last two weeks? The that line. You tread so thinly on. <laughs> I, listen, I, I sprinted past that line months ago, mate. Just forget about it. It's a fucking dot in the horizon. Uh, okay, so uh, apparently the producers are trying really, really hard to hire uh, Lupita Nyongo, 
as the uh, I was going to say Bond girl, but hopefully not. I think it just as it. I don't think I don't think anyone's calling them Bond girls anymore. I, think I know because it's, it's just that, just yeah. dated and just horrible. Yeah, yeah. So uh, apparently, so they're, they're trying to cast Lupita Nyong'o and also Rami Malek as a proposed villain. So Dave, you're a massive James Bond fan. What do you think about these two castings? I'm all for both of them, to be honest with you. By the way, it's not going to be called Shatterhand. That is just a working title. Obviously. It, Thank it, God for that. Yeah, it's it's just like uh, something they can call it, so they don't have to give the title of the project away. Uh, Hopefully it's been flushed. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is fantastic. Azure's on the crest of a wave at the moment as well, so I'd imagine most studios with a franchise are looking to cast her in some way, shape, or form. Rami Malek as well, just on the back of a, a Best Actor win at the Oscars. Um, yeah, he'd be a good addition. I'm not so sure about him as a villain, though. Uh, I'm a big Bond fan, and I like the modern direction the new films are going in, but I, I, I still think it's a bit of traditional sense you need an intimidating villain, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure he's got that physical intimidation side down, or like the, the billionaire in his tower, megalomaniacally laughing away, you know. It, it doesn't feel Rami Malek-esque. But then again, you know, maybe I'm being too traditional about it. Maybe I need to broaden my horizons a little more as far as Bond goes. He's also just won the best actor role. I'm sure he could try his hand at anything. Yeah, I'm sure he can, I'm sure he can. Do whatever he wants. The world is yeah. his oyster. Absolutely. The world is not enough, Gav. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what brilliant. Anyway, so moving quickly on to Alex's film feels. Oh, baby. Mm. It's a bit creepy, that one. <laughs> but uh, So it's an easy one this week. Um, the movie's called Falling Down. So what's your favourite part in any film where someone falls down? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? Oh, oh, Jesus. Think Hans, on your feet, Hans, people. Okay, Hans Gruber, Die Hard. Ah, that's, that's a great a one. I mean, you've gone right yeah. to the top straight away. Yeah. Okay, my so one's... <laughs> uh, uh, my, my one's similar, but I think better. It's um, John Malkovich at the end of In the Line of Fire. Yeah. Do you remember where he falls down? Because it's better than Hans Gruber because he falls down pretty much from the exact same setup. But you see him splat at the the bottom. I wouldn't say he was better, as in like more memorable. I mean, the whole film was probably less memorable than you reckon. Uh, but no, it's yeah. not. <laughs> I love in the line uh, of fire. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. What Dave. about what about um, Trevelyan in Goldeneye? The longest fall. Yeah, <laughs> very good one. I mean, that went Which on for fucking ages. <laughs> yeah, really, and then he the bloody thing. a really long time. Yeah, it, there's was... no way. I mean, I know he's hard, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way it you don't explode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on impact at it that point. It shouldn't be that funny. No. Um, I don't know. I did... Maybe Harrison Ford in The Fugitive. Oh, yeah. that, oh. Fall, that is a, a you know what? I think I think that's the right answer. And, <laughs> like, and, and you know, he survives it. Yeah, <laughs> that is a very memorable fall. Yeah, I'd say maybe that. I, yeah. I, I'm switching, Dave. Yeah, I was between, you convinced me. I was doing Harrison Ford and the Fugitive or Gandalf. Yeah, <laughs> it, I was going to. I was wondering if someone yeah. would say yeah. Gandalf. That yeah. that is a very long fall. It's oh. just like the, there's the fall at the, you see in the Fellowship of the Ring, and then there's the Two Towers version of it where you watch him fall for All like two off. or three minutes, yeah. having a fight on the way down. That's a hell of a fall. You got I also just remembered as well, Javier. Um, from uh, Les Mis because I've just seen that recently the stage version of it uh, and it's always satisfying to see Russell Crowe fall to his death it's that, it's that, it's <laughs> that yeah, bong yeah. sound it makes it it's part of the bridge <laughs> okay um, right so thank you very thank, very much for, thanks, oh, sorry I'll, I'll see. Oh, well. I, I want to hear Austin's I'm going to hear Austin I've this got, is this is yeah. my section. All right, I've got one thing. You just stay out of it. It didn't look like he was paying attention. I'm I was fully paying attention. You, you just I'm saw your laptop out and let Austin talk. Yeah. You sim- <laughs> simmer down. Austin. I've actually got two from the same film. You're gone. So there's the um, both from RoboCop. Nice. And um, yeah. so there's a okay. bit where he says, uh, "Dick, you're fired," and shoots the guy, and, <laughs> and he falls out the um, falls out the window. That's very it. much like the hands group scene. Yeah. Um, and then with the big robot falls down the stairs. 
True. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, At yeah, 209. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to spend that much money on a robot... Yeah, I know, right. You know, make him be able to walk upstairs. Walk up and down stairs. Wait, okay, well, thank you very much for that, Alex. Wow. Pig. Wow. Oh, wow. A pig. <laughs> yeah, a pig, sorry. Okay, so on to the bulk of the show. Uh, as I mentioned before, this week's film on trial is Falling Down. <laughs> Sort of. Is that because it's a traffic jam? Because yeah. it's a traffic jam. Well done, Austin. Yeah, because it's a traffic jam. I'm picking up on the, uh, the, the synopsis <laughs> of this yeah. film. Well done, well done. Okay, so it's been picked out of the hat at random. It was nominated to us by our longtime supporter of the show, Craig Harris. Craig has previously recommended Bram Stoker's Dracula and Shadow of a Vampire. And although there aren't any vampires in this film, it does still suck. Um, hey. <laughs> take note Aussie write that down I'm, I'm only joking I'm only joking I was going to say although there aren't any stakes being driven through the heart there is a bit of driving but then I remember there isn't <laughs> that's the reason that it's he gets unhappy in the first place <laughs> so anyway the roles have been picked out of the hat at random so acting in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Dave. Dave is a bit like Robert Duvall's detective Brendergast. Mild-mannered, rarely swears, and doesn't know how to take a day off. In the, yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> they all compliments, by the way. Three compliments, I'm waiting for mine. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you say, just... com- you say compliments, but you can't see that Dave is actually crying right now. <laughs> okay, um, so, I'm sorry, Alex. Um, so, in the role of prosecution trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Alex. Alex is just like the gang members. He looks scruffy and he's terrible at driving. (laughs) (laughs) Just like real court advocates, Dave and Brucey will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their genuine opinions, though, so do stay tuned to the end of the show to hear their real thoughts. Now, in in the role of character witness and lending his genuine opinion to each argument is me. I'm a bit like Michael Douglas's defense. My days are usually filled with passionate tirades and angry outbursts, and my packed lunch is the most important thing in my work bag. <laughs> uh, which means this week, Ozzy has the most important role, and he will be playing the judge. Now, Ozzy is just like Frederick Forrest's store owner. <laughs> That'll be good. Wow, go on. <laughs> He's bald, and we don't agree with his views. <laughs> now, Ozzy must decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of an understanding as to what the film's about and spin the wheel of impressions. Okay, so what we do here is we take um, the synopsis of the film and we ask one of the guys to read it out in the style of one of the cast or characters. Okay, so this week it has landed on me. So who, who am I going to do here, guys? Who am I going to do in the style of? Oh my God. Michael Douglas? Michael or, Douglas. Or Robert Duvall? I would, Duvall's a little bit more distinctive. If you want to yeah. tackle Duvall or do you want fancy Douglas? Go on, I'll leave it up to you because that's a tricky one. Yeah, do, who are you going to do? Um, Michael Douglas. All right. I think. I'll, 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 I'm glad. I hope you go for Douglas. Oh, I it's not going to be good. Okay. Okay. Um, an unemployed defense worker. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Is he... What film did you watch? An unemployed defense worker frustrated with the various flaws he sees in society begins to psychotically and violently lash outside against them. 
like a gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that wasn't that good. I'm sorry. The absolute guys. best bit about that entire um, impression is the little hunch that you had to make. <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't even like look like Michael Douglas. But, yeah. I think you watched Batman Returns. <laughs> what was the penguin there? Uh, I think the are looking for us. Ah! <laughs> okay, without further hesitation, Ozzy, would you please like to kick off the CD? Yeah, yes, yes, I would. I would love to. Um, <laughs> Uh, normally, normally I go with the prosecution first, and um, I think that's how I'm going to go again. I find it easier to listen to. Be happy to. Okay, so this film isn't a hit, and it's a hit because it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. I'd say there's three main parts to this film that it's that are sort of vying for being the central part, and none of them ever quite make it to being the, the biggest part of it. When people talk about this film, normally they talk about that it's a serious look at modern society, and there are some elements of that as well. Uh, but there's also, as well as that, there's a lot of like silly action in this film and there's also like a damsel in distress plotline that's running all the way through it. And these three elements just don't quite weave together. I'll, I'll start with like the, the serious look at modern society because this is what this film gets billed as, but it, it never quite reaches its potential. You think it's going to get there and it never does. The problem is, right, is because it focuses on Michael Douglas, who is a character who basically is just driving along, not driving along, sorry, he's stuck in a traffic jam, loses it, and then tries, the idea is that he's going back to his daughter's birthday party, uh, who lives across LA, and he's, you know, he's not welcome at home, but he's just going to go there, that's what he wants to do, and he basically has a psychotic break, and he meets people on the way, and things get out of hand, basically, because he's, he's just had a break with reality. But, He's not an interesting character. I'm not going to say Michael Douglas doesn't play him well. He's, he's quite watchable in the film. But the character himself isn't interesting and you don't quite understand him. And the problem really is we're looking at this... The, the, the guy is middle class, so everything he's talking about in modern society are the woes of someone who is middle class. And he's walking through... This is the big problem I had with this movie. He's walking through in very deprived areas of LA. And what we're really... The problem that we're meant to be having with is not, right, uh, why are these areas poor? What's the matter? What's going on? Is, oh, um, you know, he doesn't like burgers when they don't look right. And then he, he goes crazy because burgers that don't look right. Or he just wants to, like, sit down on a wall and he's being harassed. And it's like, well, yeah, but he's being harassed by poor people who are, you know, ganglanders, basically. Like, it's not really going into the... It seems like there's bigger problems going on in LA than his problems, basically. And that runs throughout the entire film. Um, you know, so that this serious look at modern, it just it doesn't convince me. Maybe Dave will convince me, but it, it just doesn't. So a big problem in this film is that it's quite repetitive, um, especially in the scenes with Michael Douglas. So it starts off quite well. He, you know, he goes into a store. He wants to buy a cool can of Coke. Um, the store owner doesn't give him enough change to, to use the phone. And he loses it. And you think, oh, that's kind of believable. He, he does go quite far. And he's also quite racist in it as well. But you think, well, you don't, you're getting to know this character. You don't think that this is going to be a clean cut film. You know, you're trying to find out who he is. You're not meant to be on his side. You, you, you know, you, you're sort of working your way through it. But then that is just repeated again and again and again. So it happens again when you meet some ganglanders and, you know, they try and take something from him and then he beats them with the bat. And then he takes a knife and then it, it escalates all the way through. But it's still the same thing, even though he gets guns later and even though he does this. It basically just boils down to Michael Douglas walks into a situation, he meets someone who's awful for a certain different reason and a certain facet of society. It's a, an awful person. 
The person is completely out of order. Michael Douglas pulls out a gun. The person says sorry or dies or has a heart attack and Michael Douglas walks on. And that just happens again and again <laughs> and again, like ad nauseum. And, and at the first it's okay, but by the end when he's doing it on a golf course, you're just like, this is just the same scene. And, and I am just getting a bit bored with it. His, his speeches, I remember when I was a kid and I was watching this, it came out in 93, 94. I, I thought, oh, wow, this is really like talking about society. Time hasn't been kind to it. You look back on it now and it's like, mm, th- these aren't really in-depth looks. This guy is just talking about that his burger doesn't look right. Like, am I really interested that his, you know, his burger hasn't quite come out right? Not really. There seems bigger problems in LA than what this guy's going through. You know what I mean? He's hot. Maybe he should get air conditioning for his car, fan, a, you know, cool glass of water or something like that. It, they don't seem insurmountable. I'd be happy to pay 85 cents for a can of Coke these days, to be honest. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, d- it doesn't stand up. Uh, so that's talking about um, the, the serious look at modern. It, it's not bad, it's sometimes good, but it doesn't quite gel. And also, when you when you put in these other elements of the film, you put in the action. So uh, all the way through it, he starts building up and he starts getting guns and then he starts, then he, he gets a rocket launcher and he gets all these different things and it just starts getting a bit silly at times. So especially the scene with the rocket launcher, you're like, hang on a minute, is this a serious, is this a man, is this looking at a man having a meltdown, having a serious crisis here? Or is this just, oh, let's watch this man blow up like a sewage pipe using a rocket launcher? Like, whoa, it could be good if it was about an, if it was about that. But because it's got this weird, it's got the serious look at modern society, that doesn't quite gel together. And it kind of takes away from that message. You've also got this damsel in distress story, which is just so boring all the way through it. You know, he's going to come home and the wife's worried that, you know, she's got a restraining order on him. I think they're divorced. She's worried that he's going to be violent when he comes there. All that, that's sounds, quite sounds a reasonable um, worry, worry based on what you said so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, at the start of the film, though, he hasn't had that psychotic break. You, you, you understand a little bit more as it goes on, and yet it is it's reasonable, but it's also quite boring because it just goes on all the way through the film, and it's just it is just damsel in distress territory. There's not if there's not more put to it because there's no time to put to do those elements properly because he's firing rocket launchers or he's going on about how doctors, plastic surgeons are paid too much or he's going on about this or he's going on about that or we're finding out about Robert Duvall's pretty uninteresting life, you know? So I'm not saying that these elements aren't good in a little bit. I'm just saying when you all gel it together, it doesn't quite work. And it just, because it doesn't spend long enough on each part, it just doesn't make it a successful hit film for me. Okay. What was our part three, by the way? Sorry. <coughs> Take him. The three parts. Yeah, I got it. So the three parts were like, it's a, it's a, it's a seri- it's just a damsel in distress story running through it and the silly action. Ah, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> come, come back on then, please, Dave. I've got, no, I don't really know what, what to say. <laughs> I thought he was quite eloquently put. No, I've got a lot of points here, so... Um, eloquently put, but completely inaccurate, I feel. Oh, yeah, oh okay, nice. <laughs> Touche. I'm going to say, I didn't watch this film when I was here. This is the first time I'd seen it. I'm, I'm quite pleased it was recommended for the podcast because I loved it. I was actually really impressed with this film, and I'm surprised I haven't seen it before. I've got to dispute a few of the things that Alex has said. Uh, the damsel in distress story they just talked about there, I never got any feeling of a damsel in distress story. What I believe that was was more of a build-up of tension. When you first meet Michael Douglas's character in the traffic jam, you feel, I don't know, a little sorry for him. You can tell this is a man on edge, and he does have this snap. He has this, at the start of the film, he snaps, and this is where this kind of like the falling down thing goes. He kind of, his meltdown progresses throughout the film. Mm-hmm. What I got from his repeated phone calls to his ex-wife is, you know, when he first calls her, he can't speak to her. He, he can't summon up the courage to speak to her, so she just puts the phone down. 
Every time he comes across a phone booth, he tries to call her again. Each time he's getting more and more confident. Each time we've seen him commit more and more like acts of rage and get more and more unhinged, progress further down this meltdown that he's going down. And that is where the tension is building because you can see as he's heading home, he's getting more and more confident, more and more aggressive. She's getting scared now because now he's getting closer. It's this kind of like slow building tension with regards to that story, I feel. And by the end of it, you know, when he does finally get home, when maybe when you start it off and you discover that she's got a restraining order against him and he's not allowed to see his kid, you feel maybe at first like, oh, just let him see his kid. It's a birthday. He just wants to get home for his daughter. By the end of the film, after all that's gone on, how it's progressed, you're like, do not let this man near his daughter. This guy is, is he's lost the plot. He's dangerous. So I think that it's not a damsel in distress story for me. It is a buildup of tension, um, which kind of turns things. You may start looking at this character with a bit of sympathy at the start. By the end of it, it just goes to show you how far you've come and how you don't really feel that sympathetic for him anymore. It is very much a look on modern society. One thing I noticed about this is the, is the, the man's job. You know, he, he can't just buy air conditioning for his car. He's, he's lost his job. He's been unemployed for a month. He's been pretending to go to work um, with just his lunch in his briefcase um, to, to kind of trick his mother, who he lives with since his wife kicked him out, that he is, he's still okay, he's going to work, he's got, he's got a job. But he was a defence contractor. And I think that was interesting because this film came out in 1993. At the start of the 90s, after the end of the Cold War in 1991, a lot of defence contractors who spent a lot of time trying to defend their country, working for the government, were laid off. A huge amount of people lost their jobs because it was deemed safe again. So defence contractors did lose their jobs. That is quite accurate in many senses. And, you know, that's why he says this line uh, in, in his first, like, the first meltdown where you start feeling less sorry for him with the Korean shop owner. He says, you know, I spent a lot of time defending this country. You know, you come here and you do this. You know how much money my country has given yours? And he's like, no, how much? He's like, well, I don't know, but it's a lot. <laughs> and that's it. It's just this kind of, like, indignant rage, which I, I didn't understand at first, but having read critics' reviews, they said it's kind of a rage that a lot of people felt but didn't want to acknowledge. It is kind of middle-class white man rage it's like the world around me has changed and i don't understand why and he doesn't understand why he's yearning for a simpler time you know where, where a can of coke only costs 50 cents but the world has moved on around him and he hasn't moved with it and he is confused and scared and i think that portrayal that michael douglas gives this character is very suitable because in a lot of films about a guy that's just had enough of the world around him and he snaps whether rightly or wrongly it would seem kind of cathartic for him. The character would kind of revel in his breakdown. Michael Douglas's character doesn't. He is sad. He is confused. You know, he is just weary by the looks of it. You know, this is quite a, a tragic portrayal of a character. Like I say, you feel sorry for him at first, but you do have to realise that this is the villain. Someone said that, uh, I forget which critic it was, that this is a bit like a, a Rorschach test. A Rorschach test in film form. It kind of opens up your own kind of feelings on the matter. How sorry do you feel for him? And that was Joel Schumacher, the director's intention. It's like, how far down this road are you prepared to hitchhike with Michael Douglas's character before you realise, uh, uh, hang on, this, this is the bad guy. This isn't the hero. This isn't the, the everyday man who's just had a bad day. No, this guy's bad. And, you know, it, it shouldn't take you too long. You should realise pretty much soon on with his prejudices with the Korean shop owner that this isn't a good guy. This is the film's villain. But he himself does not realise he is the villain until the end when the police surround him after he confronts his wife. Well, Robert Duval confronts him as he's confronting his wife. And he just says with this almost heartbreaking, you know, despite the fact he's a bad guy, this kind of almost heartbreaking, I'm the bad guy? 
He doesn't believe it, but it's it's a harsh truth, uh, and it just kind of lays it all bare for you there and then. And yes, he is the villain of the piece. You can feel some sympathy for the devil along the way, but you're never meant to think he's the hero. It shows you his actions, but it never condones them for one second. And that's why I think this is actually a really intriguing piece uh, with a fantastic performance at its core. Um, and yet there are there were bigger problems in LA. You're quite right. They were in the middle of riots. <laughs> the 1992 riots which disrupted filming for quite a bit. So yeah, there was a lot going on. But this film is, is impressive, not because if he was having a really bad day, you know, like we're talking like Gerard Butler in, in Law Abiding Citizen, he had a bad day, but that was some tragic stuff. His family were murdered. If it was serious stuff, it wouldn't have to be the same film. It's trivial things. It's, you know, how irritating is it when you go into a restaurant and you order something based on the picture and what you get doesn't look like that? That happens. That's irritating. It doesn't just justify a meltdown, but it happens. It's irritating. And they are trivial little problems that just happen through them out of the day. Like, he wanted change for a phone call. That's overpriced. <laughs> he won't get the change for his phone call. Trivial little things, and that's what makes it important. That's what makes it poignant. Okay, a um, little comeback there from you, Alex. A little bit. Um, just, they, they, they are trivial, and I sort of see what Dave's saying, but they're trivial middle-class problems, and that's what makes it hard to kind of get behind the character with, because you just think there are bigger problems going on. I know Dave sort of touched on that, but it, I do still think that's a point. You are walking through these poor areas and you're like, I don't care about the burger. Like, why are, the, why are these areas so poor? And also, I think that there's too many fantastical elements to this film. It does feel like a fantasy. It does feel like male middle class white man's rage, but it's a fantasy. Partly because if he, a male middle class man, like, ragefully went into these areas, he'd be killed. Do you know what I mean? If he acted like, you know what I mean? If he, if he got the bat out, he'd be killed. Do you know what I mean? Because he's a male middle-class man who's worked behind a desk, not a ganglander. So there's an element of fantasy to it. And there's an odd sort of like, I don't know, it does feel like possibly Trump supporters would love this film a little bit because it is tapping into that middle-class like, oh, you know, the rich are too rich and the poor, you know, they're taking too much. It does seem to be t doing that a little bit in this film. Um, also, just to touch very quickly on the character of the wife... The tension isn't building because all the way you're asking yourself, why doesn't she just leave? I know she's got the birthday party, but if she's so scared, so frightened of um, Michael Douglas, why doesn't she just leave the house before he gets there and go somewhere safe that he doesn't know? That's just a question you're constantly asking yourself. And at the end, she then runs the only place in LA she runs to where she can't get out of. She runs to a pier where she can't get back from, you know, without things. I know that has to happen in the film, but it's not believable. And that makes it damsel in distress for me. Okay, quick comeback. Yeah, could just ever so quickly yeah, yeah. on that. I don't. I see what Alex is saying when he says Trump supporters would like this film. It's like they might, but they haven't understood it. This is is, is if you're cheering for this guy because he's a vigilante. He's not a vigilante because the people that he's taking. There's no justice to wreak here. This isn't justice. This is unwarranted anger and venge and not vengeance even. It's unwarranted anger and aggression. Trump supporters might think they like it. They might think this film is speaking to them, but it's not. They've just skimmed the surface. They've not actually looked at the core of this film, which is actually something far deeper. Okay, well, um, so I'm going to just throw that straight to you, Doug. Let's just um, hit that one on the head. Is this a, um, is this deeper than, than than first thought? You know, is, these are trivial problems that are building up, but um, is, is the, the reality that this is actually a, a uh, slightly more, uh, you know, more thought-provoking piece than just a guy with a baseball bat. Okay, um, I, uh, I can see what Dave's saying, and I agree to a point on paper. That is exactly what that film is. But I can also see where Alex is coming from. When I watched this when I was a kid, 
it was a case of like, oh yeah, nerdy white, um, you know, guy like fucks the system. He's like, oh, I'm not paying 85p for a can of Coke anymore, you know? And that, that you know, that was fine to watch it back yeah. then. And um, watching it now with an adult brain, <laughs> um, it is just a bit like, I, I, I was never with him at any point. I don't know what Joel Schumacher's on about with hitchhiking this guy. As soon as he's like fannying about in his car, um, I, I was just like, you know, it's a, it's a traffic jam. Everybody's in a traffic jam. It doesn't really look that particularly noisy. And uh, I don't know. And then, and then the first act of rage that he does is against the Korean store owner. And right out the bat, he's just racist. And it's like, oh God, no, this guy's a bit of a prick. And that would have been fine just to kind of follow this guy's kind of gradual downward spiral into yeah. just aggression. Um, but the peppered throughout it is just like kind of bits that everybody can relate to. Like Dave said, like, oh, hey, you know, isn't it annoying when you go and you ask for something and it, it doesn't look like it does in the adverts or when you go and try and buy something, but the prices are just ridiculously inf- inflated for no reason. So there's like that peppering of like rationale throughout where you can like, yeah, I can get behind that. Oh, but hang on. I'm also remembering that he's a prick, you know, and then bits later on when you sort of get introduced to a, an even more extreme villain. So, so when he goes to the store and um, that's that's run by that neo-nazi that guy is is horrible he's just a horrible man and in comparison michael douglas's character looks you know quite reasonable and when he actually rebels against this character you're sort of like yeah get in but also you're a bit of a shit still you know what i mean it's like, yeah, like- it's hard because it's almost like the director was trying to make you root for this character but also not in the same hand so one hand he was given and another hand he was sort of taken away so, I mean, I can understand what Dave's saying, definitely. I mean, other people might feel that way. Other people, like Alex said, might just look at it as a very sort of one level, sort of like, oh, yeah, I, th- this this guy's, you know, when he was saying about Trump supporters can relate yeah. to this because of X, Y, and Z. I can understand that as well. But I do think maybe it is deeper, as Dave was suggesting, but I, I, I didn't particularly Yeah, so, maybe, so maybe, maybe it just wasn't well executed. Yeah. I, I, I thought it might be there, but it's you didn't quite feel it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but personally, but that, that's yeah. just my own opinion. I also agree with Alex with regards to the, the damsel in distress comment I didn't ask well. about that one. That's fine. Thanks for hearing me. Um, Dave, have you got a second argument? You got a little bit to touch on for that? Yeah, definitely. Cheers, man. Uh, I want to talk about the performances in this, and I think this is a fantastic performance from Michael Douglas. Now, the film obviously centers on him. It hinges on the performance that he gives. And this was very out of character for him. This was a bit of a risk. He'd never really taken on a a role like this. It's probably his most daring since maybe Wall Street, I'd say. Mm, Probably his most daring role since then. Uh, And he is fantastic. The whole thing is this tinge of sadness to this man. You know, you you pity this man. You feel sorry for him. But at no point does the film ever condone what he is doing. You're not meant to be on his side. And that's the important thing. Uh, there may be some people out there who've convinced themselves that they, they are on his side, but they, they shouldn't be. And his ro- his performance is tragic in, in a lot of ways. It's, it's this core of sadness that just inhabits the whole thing. You know, you feel, oh, this could be any one of us, a man who gets pushed too far. It's not. This guy is a villain. This guy has some se- seriously deep-rooted prejudices. But there is still some pity for... This the way his life has turned out. You know, he was laid off from his job after years of hard work. He's lost his family. Through his own, as it turns out, as the film progresses, through his own temper, through his own behaviour, but you still don't understand that right at the start. 
And throughout it all, Michael Douglas gives this perfectly measured performance. You know, at times you almost feel like he's he's rational, like he's he's got a point, and then he'll do something completely off field, like pull out a gun, and it's like, no, no, wait, no, no, there's, we're not with this guy actually. And it's it's a fantastic performance from him. Robert Duvall, I think, is is solid in this. You know, he is much as we've seen Robert Duvall in the last few years. He's, he's not a it's not an Oscar-worthy performance, let's say, but his character of Martin Prendergast is very important. Much like Michael Douglas's character, he too has had a lot of problems recently in his life. He's got a boss who hates him. He's approaching retirement. He's having to retire from a job that he doesn't want to retire from. Um, he's, he's got problems with his wife at home. She wants to move to Lake Havasu in Arizona, which he doesn't want to do. But unlike Michael Douglas's character, who has taken on his anger from all these situations, Prendergast is kind of the other side of it. And he has rolled with the punches. He keeps smiling throughout it all. Mm. And that's what makes it. He's like the, the anti-version of Michael Douglas's character. You know, he just kind of takes it. And ultimately, in their final confrontation, spoiler alert, he's the one who walks away. It, because he's just learned to... Life does these terrible things to you. And Michael Douglas is there getting pent up about his burger not looking right or his soft drink being overpriced. And Robert Duval lost his child. You know, he talks about that as time goes on, and that's how he tries to get through to Michael Douglas. says, your daughter's still here. You've got a reason to carry on. I don't really, you know, don't call me on this, but yeah, I'm the one who's still holding it together. I'm the one who's still carrying on day to day. And it's, it's a fantastic version. It's the two characters, the two different sides of how these people can be so similar and yet so different just because of a different outlook on life. And I think the supporting cast... We're very solid. Now, most of the sporting cast just have to basically play antagonists mm. to either of these people. Um, I think a deserving mention is Frederick Forrest, who plays Nick, who's the neo-Nazi um, gun shop owner. It is a gun. No, it's like a camping outdoor yeah. shop. Isn't On it, the really? surplus. Yeah. yeah, something okay. like that. And yeah. this guy, you know, he seems like a bit of a prick when you first meet him. He is absolutely vile. This guy is racist, homophobic, sexist. He is one of the most disgusting characters you'll ever see on film, but Frederick Forrest plays it with aplomb. You know, he's he does a fantastic job. A very talented actor. I remember in Apocalypse Now, and seeing him in this, it's just like, geez, is that the same, is that the same guy? <laughs> fantastic performance from him. Really good. Just the, you hate this character. And like I say, it's one of the few times where you're actually... When you take a step back and look at it and think, you're actually in Michael Douglas's corner on this one. It's like, there is no redeeming that person you're up against here. I think Barbara Hershey gave a great performance. She didn't have a great deal to do. She plays um, Michael Douglas's wife. She didn't have a great deal to do in this, but I think she gave a solid performance anyway. Still very good, very talented actress. Rachel Tocotin, who we mentioned, we saw in Man on Fire recently. Good performance from her. And yeah, just um, I'll, I'll wrap it up there. But there's some great performances amongst the supporting cast. Uh, the last one I want to really mention was the uh, the... Actually, no, no, I won't. I'll save that. Sure? Maybe you're closing okay. Yeah, I might save okay. that. Okay, well, that's interesting. He's, 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 got, hold he's got me worried. <laughs> I might not. I might not. <laughs> well, let, me hear, let me hear how bad the acting was, please. Okay, I will. Um, <laughs> right, so Michael Douglas is good in this film. He's, yep. he, I don't think it's enough to make it a hit film because the character itself isn't good, but Michael Douglas is pretty good. He, he plays it quite well. I don't think when you see when the title's falling down and you see throughout the film, you'd think that this character had some sort of snap with reality and there's a progression to how it goes. That's not actually in the film. He kind of starts off as batshit crazy as he is right at the end of the film. And you don't really understand why. He's hot in the car, he walks off, and he just starts messing things up and doing things and going crazy. It doesn't actually feel like he builds up or he has any different ideas at the end of the film than, the, than what he started with. So I don't think there's okay. much of an arc for him here. I just think... 
he's kind of crazy all the way through. And I, I think he's quite capable of doing what he does two-thirds of the way film at through the, the film start. at the very start. Yeah. I don't feel like it builds up that very much. I don't think it's actually much of an arc. I really disagree with Dave that the two characters are intertwined. I think Robert Duvall's story is a sub-sub-subplot at best. I think it's wrapped up pretty abysmally, abys- abysmally well. You know, he, he's got uh, abysmally badly, sorry. Yeah. So he's got the a wife that wants to move somewhere. All seems like good reason because they've gone through the death of a child and she's hitting a, a very, she seems mentally unstable and she's hitting a bad thing. That plot line, because she keeps ringing him and giving him problems at work, that plot line is basically summed, is resumed by Robert Duvall finally standing up for himself, telling us to like shut up and make his dinner and then like going off and being like, great, I'm empowered, I'm going to do what I want now. That's how that plot line, it doesn't really feel like it's intertwined with much of what Michael Douglas is talking about throughout the entirety of this film. I don't think Robert Duvall's very good in this film. I like Robert Duvall in lots of films. I think he's just doing Duvall, to be honest. It's like he's doing an impression of himself. I think there's a generation of actors like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro that kind of just sometimes fall into their own personas a little bit, and that's what Robert Duvall was doing. Um, Barbara Hershey doesn't have anything to do, so she's just got to run. She's got to look a bit scared. I, her character is be like thinner than paper thin. There's nothing for her to do here, so I, I wouldn't be able to talk about performance because she didn't have a chance. And the supporting cast, with the exception of Frederick Forrest, who is very good in this film, and he does a very good. He, he makes it very creepy and very. It's it, it, it's well done that the entirety of the rest of the supporting cast are just idiots. They're just horrible. So the people he meets on the golf course are just horrible. The people who Robert Duvall work with in the police station are kind of like 16-year-old, like, high school horrible. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, honestly, making really bad jokes and just not being very nice. But they're not real people. You don't feel like they're real people. So I'd say some of the performance, Michael Douglas's performance is okay, but his character isn't good. And, you know, the, the, the rest of them just don't really shine. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to have to send it over to the character witness here. Um, about the character arc then. So, um, but everybody agrees that it was played well by Mike, Michael Douglas. I mean, you, are you going to agree with that? He did yeah, a really no, good I job think, of acting. Honestly, I, I think this is one of Michael Douglas's best performances, even being honest. Yeah. And I, I think I, I, at the time as well, it was a breath of fresh air. It was very different from what he'd done previously. Character arc wise, I can kind of see what Alex is coming from here. He, he does kind of start where he ends. And, but it's about the journey for him. Um, I, I agree with an earlier point where Alex said it was sort of a bit repetitive and maybe some of the actions that he does, uh, his, his reactions or responses yeah. to them are the same, but it's still a very, very good performance. On the point of the arc as well, though, is, um, and I think this is kind of what Dave mentioned, is that he's at the he's already broken down at this point. Yeah. This is the thing that tips him over the edge, yeah. this traffic jam. Does it feel as though that that is that that's captured well that this is what's yeah, broken I, 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 him? I, I, I do to be honest, and I mean he ends the film where he begins essentially, but we, he could have already been experiencing this this breakdown or, or falling down you know weeks beforehand and we're just getting the final breaking point of it it just should have been called fallen down i'm just saying on a, on a grammar on a grammar point he do, he's not falling he's fallen excellent, you know what I mean? excellent point thank you okay. uh, so so yeah it, and, and how he responds and how he acts from you know point a to point b because essentially his character arc is he starts off on this rampage and his character arc is that he's going to end the rampage one way or another yeah. and it's how he gets there but okay, that, that's, I, I that's, would disagree though with Alex and say I think Robert Duvall was very good in this. Well, that was going to be my next question. Okay, was, go on, uh, say had, um, So, what about Robert Duvall? One says brilliant, one says not brilliant. Well, I don't think he was brilliant. I don't think it was like uh, like if Oscar you had to put him on a scale of um, naught to 
brilliant. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever said brilliant. <laughs> mm, I so no one, oh. Let's just write down, well, no one says he's brilliant. Yeah, no one says he's brilliant. <laughs> and no, move no, on. No, no, Robert no, no. Deval, not brilliant. Hey, no, okay? hey, Robert Deval, not brilliant. Would you agree with that? Hey, Robert Deval's not brilliant, but he's not not brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd rather have a not brilliant Deval in a film. Yeah, I get it. Honestly, I do think he's good in this. And I do agree with Dave as well, that he's the sort of like antithesis of Michael Douglas's character. I think their character arcs, blend very well it's almost like kind of this is what michael douglas could have been if he wouldn't have had a breakdown and robert deval is this is what michael douglas what he could have been if he wouldn't you know you know what yeah, I mean, if the, the opposite just, essentially been a couple of different choices made yeah, they'd yeah, have been the other exactly. person okay i will say this though it wasn't covered before all the female characters in this are horrendous mm. like all yeah. of them all of them are just bad i'm sorry barbara hershey i mean there's no character barbara hershey she is a damsel in distress the entire film she's just calling the police saying come and rescue me uh, robert deval's wife oh it's just horrible yeah. just it's just you know shrill throughout the whole way and um, uh, so I've forgotten the, the sidekick Rachel Tocotten 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 um, she's sort of just like I don't know it's almost like she's got father issues she's always looking up to Robert Duvall it's just that sort of like uh, you know woman with father issues character so I don't think the, the, so, the female characters are written particularly well to be honest okay so not, not massively but, fleshed out but not to say that they didn't go, give well good performances played, yeah they, okay. they were they're very well performed and acted but the characters were awful so characters not great acting actually quite good yeah definitely okay um, closing statements who wants to go first prosecution or defence who's got the best flourish oh, I, oh I that don't will not be me I've just thought of one and, <laughs> right. and Dave's Dave, probably going to say it you can go first then <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no flourish but I'm just going to say what you have here is a very good look at society as it may have been seen in the early 90s. Now, Alex is completely wrong when he says that this film tries and fails. It succeeds, and with great aplomb. Michael Douglas gives a fantastic performance, maybe even say career-defining performance here as the lead character, and the support is solid to boot as well. There's so many critics out there that say how this film is so easy to misunderstand, so easy to think you're meant to be on his side. At no point are you meant to be on his side whatsoever. This is the villain, and he finally... Re- the the last person to realise it is Douglas himself at the very end of the film, as we should have worked out long before him. Okay. So I was super busy nodding along to you. Nicely done. Okay, prosecution. It's ridiculous that he hasn't figured out that he's the villain. He fires a fucking rocket launcher into a sewage pipe. Do you know what I mean? At that point, you might think maybe I'm not doing the right thing here. Do you know what I mean? So by the end when he's like, wait, I'm the bad guy? Yeah, you're the bad guy. Do you know what I mean? You fired a fucking rocket launcher down a thing. You've shot someone today. That's not good. It's just ridiculous. It's kind of a middle-class white man's fantasy. Uh, he would have been caught by the police so much quicker in in reality. So it's kind of trying to talk about reality, trying to talk about society. And then it's just bending the rules and actually, no, the, the, the police would have caught him. It doesn't make sense. Like I say, there's a good film in there, but it just went down the middle class route. It didn't look at any real, didn't society in any real depth for any other people. It's a lot of silly action. It just makes it ridiculous. And even though uh, uh, Michael Douglas's performances is very good, it's not enough to make this film a hit. It could have been amazing. Instead, it falls down on its face. (laughs) (laughs) A little more conviction and that's a flourish. (laughs) Okay, okay. um, All right, well... 
I've got, I've got, a, I think I've got a pretty difficult task, and I'm obviously not made any easier by the fact that I am actually delivering the quiz today. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so no I realised this. It was supposed to be me, uh, but Alex said the other day it was you, and yeah, I just yeah. went with it. No, yeah, no, you did, and I, I was uh, taken aback, to be honest with you. But that's that's not the only lie he's told you in the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't be bothered to, uh, to, to argue, and thought I'd make up. Um, I wouldn't mind, but I'd, I'd already started working on the quiz as well. No, I was I like, oh fuck it, Ozzy's doing this. Well, hopefully the quiz isn't as good as my quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Like you wish you'd finished it. Cool. Anyway, because I'd never seen Fallen Down, I knew nothing about the film. Um, so I've come up with the title as we speak, and it was called Falling Down, the quiz with tenuously linked questions that are going nowhere. Because, <laughs> because it started with a guy in a traffic jam. Oh, yeah, okay, so there we yeah. go. Um, anyway, what one-time Simpson character who hates Homer Simpson Bam. is uh, based upon... Frank uh, Grimes. Frank Grimes. That was Grimes. That was much trivia. There we oh, go. Oh, oh, sorry, buddy. Right. Bam, I, I got more. Okay. Um, Other Simpsons based Falling Down trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one for you. Um, so not related to uh, Frank Grimes, but what structure is famously falling down, my fair ladies? Bam. Leaning Tower Pizza? No. Pizza. I've just got, say pizza? I've always got pizza on the brain. <laughs> Is that so shocking? I eat a, like a pizza a day. There was a clue in the question. My, my fair ladies. Yes. Um, L- uh, London Bridge. Bridge. London Bridge. Yes. Everyone except Gav gets a point. Well, I played it earlier. Exactly. So you <laughs> should have got the answer right. Oh. London, the one they moved to like Havasu has fallen down. Or? Correct. That was the next answer to the <laughs> oh, <okay>. question. <laughs> wow, Dave, you're getting good at quizzes. I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> so I'm going to read. I started to finish. So the, uh, the question was: uh, London Bridge was replaced in the 19th century when it was painstakingly re- taken apart and moved to another location. Where was it moved to? Lake Havasu. Lake you're Havasu. going to kick yourself when you watch yeah. falling down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a big part of it. I've, I've also been to Lake Havasu. Oh, okay. It looks so out of place. Because uh, okay. it's essentially a desert, isn't it? It more or less yeah, a little desert town in Arizona. Yeah, it's, it's a nice town. It? It's a nice town. It just has you've never realised how distinctive British architecture is until, you until see you've it. seen it in the middle of a desert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of Arizona, the, the movie Arizona stars podcast favourite Luke Wilson. Uh, name one other. Is, is, is he your podcast <laughs> I believe he's your favourite. He's my favourite. <laughs> ever... Don't bring us into this. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would get, might get a response. Yeah. Um, anyway, name one of. The other stars of this film? Owen Wilson, probably. No. no. Which uh, film was it, sorry? Uh, Arizona. Arizona. Who are the hell else is in Arizona? And, um, I, I just assume. I know Raising Arizona answer. with Nicolas Cage. Does that count? Luke I'm going to let you have a Nicolas Cage. That's not the film that thanks, I thanks. took this oh, nice. from. I can name more people in Raising Arizona. Let's just do people in Raising Arizona then. You can help. <laughs> uh, John Goodman. John Goodman, okay. Alex. Good. Oh, shit, I really like that film. Oh, uh, Holly Hunter. Okay. Okay, excellent. Um, None of those were the answer I was looking for, so could he have had Danny McBride? Oh, damn it. Rosemary Dewitt? Oh, oh, no. no. I just assumed you guys would know Arizona seems to be like a really popular film. Listen, listen, I'll tell you right now, any film with Luke Wilson in isn't a popular film. (laughs) Hey. Hey, it's got, got, it had really good reviews on Metacritic, so I went for that. Anyway, the next question was, Rosemary Dewitt was in La La Land. (laughs) And how many Oscars did that win? Um, ooh. I can tell you one it didn't win. Oh, yeah, I know. Three, I reckon, two. Yeah, I reckon two. about three. I reckon it would. Uh, best actress. Best actress, Ramstone. Probably best soundtrack. Yeah. Maybe best. I'm going to say four. I was going to say yeah, four. Five. Three. Four. Three, five, four. Yeah, go on. Six, actually. Oh! Six. So, um, but not the go. biggie. That was, uh, that was it, pretty much. It nearly did. <laughs> But that was the quiz. Oh. Oh. Hey. Hey. I didn't want to make it too long because uh, I've got a habit of 
adding too many questions in. So uh, there we go. Okay. Thanks very much, Austin. Thanks for playing along. Well done, everyone. <laughs> I'll do the one next week, I promise. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe you should, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I... Have you had time to think, Ozzy? I, well, I was trying to think, in amongst you guys, totally not understanding which film I was trying to get you <laughs> to guess people from, I did try and have a little think. And it's a, I think it's a really difficult one. And I can... Um, I do see both sides here is that if you like Dave, Dave made a really good convincing argument that this film is, you know, it's more than uh, skin deep. What you're looking at is, is a, is a middle-class guy dealing with normal trivial problems. Badly. He's had a bit of a tough time leading up to this and um, something kicks him over the edge. And then it's a fantastical storyline of him kicking off and having a tantrum. More than maybe more than a tantrum, <laughs> um, but um, so I can see that, that that it sounds like maybe it is a, a fantastical view of a way of you know showing sort of middle class problems and a bit of a look at society. And then I can also totally get behind what you're saying, Alex, that it's actually just over the top and the the problems are totally you know surmountable. Why 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 do we care about this guy? But they've totally knocked it back that you're not really meant to care for him. It's it, he is the buddy, you know, so that's the, the thing. You're meant to care about everybody else around him and his breakdown is, is what's, you know, the issue with with the film. And I don't know, it, it was it's pretty tough and I felt like Gav was, uh, for the most part, leaning towards uh, towards a prosecution that this film isn't actually, uh, isn't isn't all that good. That's the way it, it felt like it was, was lending that way. But Dave is incredibly... Um, He's incredibly elo- eloquent with his arguments and, oh, mate, and take your quite hand out of his pants. <laughs> <laughs> so um I don't know for this one I actually think this is really, really close. Probably closer than I've ever had before. And um I think I'm gonna go with with a hit. Wow. By, by the way, I actually quite like the film, you know. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe you asked the wrong questions. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. It's all your fault. <laughs> um, okay, so thank you very much for that, Austin. Um, genuine opinions, Dave? Like I said, I'd never seen this film before until we were asked to do for the podcast. I loved it. Genuinely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And the more I read into it, the more I... Because I didn't get it. I, I kind of had a bit of a surface view which is what Alex was explaining. I'm hoping that's not Alex's actual view, but it, it was the skimming the surface view that some people come away with. Once I read into it and people explained the stuff about American society in the early 90s, which obviously I'm not going to know firsthand, but once the film critics explained how accurate and how clever it was in the stuff it was trying to explain, this film just got better and better the more I read into it. And yeah, I came away thinking it was fantastic. And Alex? Um, I was a bit, I was like you, Gav. I, I watched this film years and years and years ago and I was like, oh man, like as a teenager, look at him sticking it to the man. But then when you watch it again, you're just like, no, he's not, he's not sticking it to the man. I get what Dave's saying. Like, yeah, it's not surface. There is more to it, but it's not done well. And that's my problem with the film. It's not actually looking at issues in a real proper way. So when he's sort of going on and sort of spouting his nonsense, you're just like, hmm. It, this could be better. You know what I mean? It, it, this could be more insightful. This could be talking about things it, it, that, that are more important. I mean, is the key that 
it's not what he says that's the issue. You don't have to agree with what this guy's saying, but the fact that he's saying no, something... No, no, I, I don't think I, you I, are not the, meant to agree with what yeah, he's saying. Some I, of what he's saying is horribly that, prejudiced. That's yeah. the thing. I have no problem with him being an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He's I'm not just, an anti, I, he's a villain. I, he's just a bad guy. He's no. just a villain. Right, but... Uh, okay, but a villain then. But I, I have no problem with him being a villain. But... Uh, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yeah, tomato. But um, whatever problem is, he's not... He's not... He's not an interesting villain. He's spouting off about things, but what he has to say doesn't interest me so that's yeah. what that's why i thought even though when i'd first watched it i would have been like hit yeah, yeah. watched it again and was like it's not terrible like is michael douglas's performance is amazing yeah. it's an entertaining watch you can definitely watch this film from start to finish and not be like oh this is terrible but i it just it didn't feel like a hit this time around somehow yeah okay gaff what, what did you actually enjoy it no oh, yeah i did i did actually really enjoy it. um the one thing though that happens in the film that really really does annoy me and it annoys me a lot with other films specifically Alfred Hitchcock films is when they easy no, no it, you'll, you'll agree with this is when they've written a script and then they hire an actor and then they don't go back in hindsight and change aspects of the character damn in I the wish script. I meant to say that yeah. in my argument I forgot yeah. Robert you, Duvall being an action man he looks no, awful by I the know. end I no. thought you were referring to 48 um, year old Michael Douglas playing yeah. a man in his mid 30s yeah, yeah. yeah. alright yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was like is he yeah, yeah, yeah. he looks fucking 50 yeah. that breakdown has done more damage than we realised yeah, like so many times you watch it, like, like North by Northwest, it's ridiculous. Oh, no, it's, bad. it is insane, it's like, isn't it? You're a young man. It's yeah. like, well, he's in his 50s. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually only 23, guys. <laughs> no, the illusion's been shattered. That, that, that has just reminded me, though, there's a bit at the end of a film where Robert Duvall has to, like, break into a house, and it's just, like, ludicrous. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, he's like crouching, like a little spider. Do you know what I mean? He's just trying to, like, be a cop. It's just like, oh, man, he needed to go away for a week with some police Robert and be du- trained Robert how to Duvall do it. Had a prestigious career playing mostly cops. I think <laughs> I'd never seen him kick down that, a door yeah. though, because oh my god! I, I do, do you know have a mean? little trivia to replace <laughs> the, the Frank Grimes bit that I lost. This is Michael Douglas's favorite performance he's ever given. Okay, he, he cites this as his favorite performance over Gordon Gecko, and also what for whatever it may matter. Kirk Douglas's father has also said this is his favorite performance that well, his son has given. I'm not going to disagree with Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> and if he's listening, sir, I, I think his son did a fine performance too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, <laughs> so is this higher or lower than our previous film on trial on um, uh, IMDb out of 10 which is Big Trouble in Little China which scored 7.3 what do you reckon higher or lower uh, I'm going to say marginally higher maybe 7.7 I'm going to say... Marginally higher, that's like almost a full point. <laughs> I'm going to say 7.6. <laughs> so you have to sing it. 7.6, it's yes, got to be 7.6. <laughs> well, I'm going to say lower just to make it interesting. Oh, Alex is Bob on. Oh, really? Oh, really? Two point. Oh. 7.6. I won. <laughs> I won something. Okay, so once again, I put a poll up on Twitter over the weekend and asked our friends and followers which list Falling Down should be placed on. It was another, like, really, really, like, kind of... Um, big wide gap but like a landslide <laughs> landslide landslide victory uh, 86% of listeners decided that it should be placed on the hit list oh really wow mm, wow yeah. and be- before we adjourn the case it's time for a little bit of caption contest so what we do here is I take a screenshot of the film and I put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a caption with the funniest one winning a frog shaped chocolatey treat whoa what's that happened to the frog what's what that? has happened <laughs> have you updated your 
Oh no, that's not a frog. That is, that, it's it's a scared frog. Is this it a is. different app or has it's it like been a, updated? It's like or? a sat on the frog. That's <laughs> quite appropriate if any more of our Freddos melt in the post again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, uh, so basically the the, the scene that it, that it took was the infamous scene in which um, uh, Michael Douglas's main character holds up a machine gun to a fast food restaurant worker as he tries to make his order. Once again, we've had so so many. So I'm just going to read out just a few. You guys got to tell me the winner. Okay, so number one, um, does this gun make me look fat? Number two, you call that extra cheese? Uh, number three, I already got this Happy Meal toy. Can I trade it in for a Glock? <laughs> uh, number four, make America great again. Um, five, uh, say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what? So Pulp Fiction again. Uh, yeah. um, okay. Uh, I, I, said, I said no tomatoes. Um, or tomatoes? Which one do you say? <laughs> oh, yeah. um, is this... Uh, sorry. Is the McFoy machine still down? now <laughs> um, uh, he tried the same thing in McDowell's but was stopped by Prince Akeem of Zamunda so that's a reference to coming to America freeze your diseased rhinoceros prizzle <laughs> anyway um, <laughs> and the last one I'm going to say here is uh, no cutsies <laughs> I kind of like the trade in the toy for yeah, the black one I like, like that one too yeah. I'll go with that yeah okay Arc, so congratulations to our good good friends uh, Dare Daniel podcast Check them out on Twitter at Dare Daniel Pods. You they're have winning, just. They, win I want the change my they do surprisingly yeah. well at this. Well, they just, they, you know, no, first, first, to be first. honest, to be honest, they, have, they haven't won one in, in a while. <laughs> no. I just mentioned them quite a lot. I think that's. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've mentioned them the past like four episodes. <laughs> it's a good yeah. show. It's a good show. Check them out. Anyway, congratulations, guys. <laughs> Oh, that frog sounds that, horrible. That's wrong. You've got to sort that out by next yeah. week. I'm going to sample. Get one of them. The, I'm going to go and sample the old frog and save it back to your phone again. I'll, I'll just go out and get a real frog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just before we call it a day, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our friends and fellow film critics, Ryan L. Terry. Uh, he gives very, very insightful and entertaining reviews of movies, old and new. And he also does um, studies or, or breakdowns of famous movie characters. He's written a very interesting one on Kathy Bates's Annie Wilkes from Misery, uh, which you can find on his Twitter page at rlterry1. Also, check out his reviews and blogs on his website, rlterryrealview.com. That's real, as in a film reel, by the way. I'd recommend checking out the Velvet Buzzsaw review in particular. Um, so yeah, our next film has been picked out of the hat at random during this episode, and it is the 80s buddy cop action movie, Tango and Cash. It's also a description of what Donald Trump probably has an abundance of. <laughs> hey, nice. Nice. I love it. That's brilliant. Did the uh, You've Been Tangoed advert make it to America? Well, if you don't understand that reference, type in You've Been Tangoed on YouTube, and hopefully you will. Hours of fun. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, anyway, uh, it was... Hours. <laughs> it was recommended to us by Captain Dave's pal Jeremy mm-hmm. uh, and apologies Jeremy it has been in the hat for a long, a long, time. long time we've been waiting for this one to come out for some time now we have, well, well t- the thing is is that we were just getting so many suggestions we just kept on putting them in putting them in and I think it got to the point where we were just like right we need to take out some of the ones that we've got in there before we add any more uh, and, and this is the ones that spin right at the bottom so apologies that it's been so long hopefully it'll be worth the wait though so we've also picked out the roles for the episode at random. And in the role of defense is me. So there you go, Jeremy. It'll definitely be worth the wait. <laughs> wow. You've been writing that argument in your head for years. Now, don't don't worry about it, mate. I've got it. Like, right, I, 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 basically, my argument is just going to be four words. Who's in prosecution? Kurt Russell's bare ass. <laughs> who's in prosecution? Oh, this is what we watch together, isn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm so nervous now. Who's prosecuting? In prosecution is going to be Alex. Mm. 
Oh, it's you. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Character witnesses are going to be Ozzy and Dave. And in the role of judge is going to be a returning Joel. Uh, so just wanted to say thank you very much to everybody who's listened to this episode. Please remember to like, share and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your local gangbangers. But maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe don't tell them on their turf. <laughs> didn't, didn't go down so well for Michael Douglas. Uh, so just spread the warm love that is Films on Trial in as many ears as possible. And remember, check us out on Twitter, at Film Trials, and follow our fantastic graphic artist, Winston Sang, at the underscore quirks. Also, check out our website, filmsontrial.co.uk, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our new YouTube channel for weekly content. So there you have it, guys. Falling Down is a hit, and we will be in your ears next week with whatever I just said, Tango and Cash. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 